Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Expat Empire Podcast. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that we're offering a free consulting call to anyone interested in moving abroad. Whether you're thinking about retiring somewhere warm, starting an international career, or becoming a digital nomad, we're ready to help you think through the next steps in your journey. Send us a message at expatempire.com to schedule your call today. With that said, let's start the conversation. Hey, Max. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having me, David. I'm glad we can make it work. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be awesome to hear about your story. And of course, we've been actually talking together for a while, given that you're a fan of the show and part of the overall community. So it's really great to hear about your adventures and how you've taken off on the road inside the United States and where you're headed next. Yeah, yeah. I guess in a way, I hadn't thought about this, but I guess in a way, your show has kind of contributed to to inspire me to, to, to make that move. That's great to hear. It's always awesome to connect with people that really like the show and would love just to yeah, share your story with our audience as well. So if you could kick it off by telling us a bit about your background, where you're originally from, where around the world you've lived or even traveled to so far, maybe that's too long of a list. And also where you're based right now, then that would be great. <laughs> All right. I grew up in Florida pretty much my whole life uh, up through college. I uh, was in in Northeast Florida, Jacksonville, and then I went to undergrad at University of Florida. And then after that, I spent some time around the country, Chicago, DC, which is where I met my wife. And then back to Florida when we decided to launch a real estate investing company. Mm. That fast forwards us to around late 20s for me. Maybe I was already 30, just turned 30. And we started a real estate investing company, got married, And we were very focused in our market in Northeast Florida. So that's what brought me back to Jacksonville, Florida, Mm. doing all kinds of stuff in real estate. We're flipping, rehabbing, investing in in long-term holds. We did commercial properties as well as residential. So just all kinds of stuff in that space, just because uh, it was a very booming market at the time. And we had a lot of access to capital for real estate investing, just a lot of people that we knew in our networks who wanted to invest. So so it was just a good, good time for us, good timing with the market and good time in our lives to do that. And then just naturally with real estate investing, the a lot of the conversation with your colleagues is about generating passive income and Mm. getting enough rental properties to where you don't really have to work as much anymore. And uh, I guess that brings us to this sort of FIRE movement, financially independent retire early, Mm -hmm. which we did not hear about for many years while we were doing real estate. We didn't know about that. And it wasn't until we basically reached that point, I guess, when uh, we met a friend of a friend who had just moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and she is a financial blogger hmm. and just now, I guess, financial media person in general. And uh, she, we met up with her. She had children just like us and was moving to the area. And so we wanted to kind of meet up and help her transition, even though we were about to move away from Jacksonville. And uh, she <laughs> informed us what FIRE was, which a topic that she wrote a lot about. Hmm. And that was the first time it clicked for me. Wow, there's this huge community of people who more or less have been doing what we've been doing uh, with real estate. 
And as I mentioned, we were just preparing to leave Jacksonville and we kind of see that point as our sort of, uh, it's a milestone in a sense, because that's kind of when we felt the financial freedom to stop working just purely for the income. Mm -hmm. And so we left Jacksonville because my wife wanted to go teach at a uh, charter school, teach math. And that was something she'd always been interested in. And uh, she had an opportunity with her previous math teachers from high school to join them at a new charter school. For us, that's sort of the moment when we felt like we had reached this new level of financial freedom where we were able to make decisions based on sort of passion. And so for her, it was not doing the real estate business anymore because quite honestly, she was burned out from it and she never really loved doing it anyway. And so, yeah, that marker, that was 2017, summer of 2017 for us when we did that. So Mm -hmm. I like to mention that sort of because psychologically and mentally for us, that was a big moment. So from Jacksonville, then we moved to Miami. As I mentioned, it was her high school teachers, math teachers. So that's where she went to high school in Miami, Doral, Florida. And um, she still has lots of family there. So it was partially for her to try out teaching and partially for us to move close to a lot of family. Since we had two young kids, it was pretty great to be down there um, near her parents, near lots of other extended family. And we were there for about four and a half years. And then just this past December, we made that next leap, which was to rent out our home in Doral and then uh, start traveling the world. So we've, <laughs> we've been doing that for three months now. Uh, well, I, I should say not traveling the world, we're traveling North America the U.S. and Mexico. And then in July of this year now, we're going to move to Taiwan. And so this is sort of like a, a taste of a nomadic family life right now. And then we'll make sort of a, an expat move to Taiwan for about three to five years. We don't know exactly what the future holds, but that's kind of what we're mentally preparing for. Okay, that sounds pretty amazing. And obviously, you're off on your way and soon to make an even bigger move over the ocean and get set up in a brand new country. So it's super exciting for you guys and happy to hear about how it's all come together. I was curious to go even back to when you were starting this real estate investment company, because clearly this is the way that at least, you know, over those years, you were able to get to a point where you could retire early and be financially independent. And so I'm curious, did you have experience on doing that type of property property and real estate investing and, and all of that prior to starting this? Or did you really start from scratch? And how did you get those initial funds to do that investing? If you can give us any extra yeah. you know, information, how you got started so other people might be able to do the same, that would be great. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I'd say we began in earnest in 2012. And mm-hmm. at that point, I had zero experience with real estate investing with construction with anything involving sort of real estate investment. I was sort of a, a fan on the sidelines, if you will. Like I mm. did, you know, like to follow the market. I was always paying attention to, to real estate in the different neighborhoods of the cities that I was in, but I never actually did it myself. And I never actually even thought that I would, you know, it was just something that I did for fun, just watching different neighborhoods transition. Mm. I, <laughs> I never really thought that I would make the leap. And it's possibly for the reason that my parents had invested in one property when they were, you know, when I, when I was much younger and that did not go well at all for them. So mm. <laughs> my family was just very averse to owning real estate in that sense, to owning rental properties. On the other hand, my wife, her family, that's, 
all of their investment. They mm. invest tons into real estate. And she had that gene in her. So when she got her first job um, in Tampa, she bought a home. And then she was working for a very large conglomerate. And she moved around the country quite a bit. And whenever she settled in a place for a while, then she'd look to, to invest into property there. So mm. <laughs> her attitude is very different from mine. And uh, she was pushing me for a while to kind of use my interest and passion for watching properties and neighborhoods and, and really suggesting that, that we actually put money into it instead of just me doing this as a game. Right. So finally, around 2012, we decided to do that. As for how to get started, for us, we were very fortunate because we had a decent lump of savings that we mm -hmm. could take out of stocks and, and where they were out of the markets and, and divert them to real estate. We had enough that we could get things going. Mm -hmm. And we made a couple uh, cash purchases in Jacksonville, which was a very, very uh, affordable market at the time. So we bought three properties and they were all around 50K mm. all in. <laughs> wow. So very, very affordable at the time. And that allowed us to, to kind of get started and dip our toes in it and just learn how the process worked because mm -hmm. all of those needed rehab. Once we felt comfortable that we at least had some idea of how to do this, then we started to accept uh, partners and other mm -hmm. investors who had been talking to us for a while. We just wanted to make sure we knew <laughs> we had some understanding of what to do before we took other investments. So, Great. so that's how we got started. And we're very fortunate. I definitely, we recognize that to be able to have some money for us to start and also to have access to capital was very beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. So you uh, started that business around 2012, I believe. Then in 2017, you started to realize that you could sort of retire early and work by choice as opposed to needing to for money. So why did you decide then? And of course, then, you know, moving forward to 2021, why did you decide that at that time that you wanted to uh, start becoming a bit of a nomad and ultimately to move to Taiwan? Because it all, of course, you could stay in America as well, but there must have been something driving you to make these big life decisions to move around as well. Yeah. So when my wife and I met over a decade ago, we, we, we were both avid travelers. That was just su such a big part of our life. Hmm. We were actually long distance for a while and spent lots and lots of time either visiting each other because we were working remotely or very flexible, I guess, or we were traveling together. So yeah, we just always, you know, that, that was something that brought us together for sure was the love of travel. And I remember just in the, from as far back in our relationship, as I can recall, we talked about living in Asia. For me, it's just a place that I've always been drawn to. I have a lot of roots and connection there. Mm -hmm. My family, my parents are both born and raised in Malaysia. And mm -hmm. something about sort of Chinese Malaysians is that they've dispersed everywhere. So I have family all throughout Asia, and as well as, you know, in, in Europe, Australia and North America. So I just have family everywhere. And mm -hmm. I've always wanted to go and see and experience the different worlds and lives that they all live. For some reason, just Asia is, is, was a, an easier kind of first step. So I, we always talked about moving to Asia, having a base there. My wife, I should mention, though, she was actually born in Macau and mm. grew up in Macau until she was 12. And then she moved. That's when her family moved to Miami. She had sort of that 
roots and experience in living in Asia before. And so for her, it's a different kind of perspective. It's more wanting to go back to Asia and spend some more time there. But for me, I, I've always had this calling of, of seeing more of the world. So we talked about it. And when we were, before we had our first child, we considered moving to Macau to give birth. It's come up quite quite often, you know, every one, every 12 months or every 18 months, we'd have a serious discussion about moving. Yeah. So that's just been part of the conversation. It's been on, on our minds for a long, long time. And finally, before COVID, before the pandemic began, we decided this, uh, you know, our next move, we were living in Miami and we, were, we decided our next move once we left Miami was to go to Asia somewhere. Mm. And, um, I do get this question a lot, why we chose Taiwan. And so I'll just go ahead and add that. Sure. We, we were thinking about, now that we have two young kids, we were thinking about where we'd want them to, to spend some significant time. And since we are ethnically Chinese, mm. we wanted them to be sort of in that in those customs and, and culture. We did want them to be immersed in a Chinese language, preferably Mandarin, but we were considering some Cantonese cities as well. So that was sort of the driving force. And then of course, sort of just the general quality of life mm -hmm. factors. And in the end, we chose Taiwan because specifically of the city, which is Taipei, that's where we're moving. Mm -hmm. And Taipei just offered sort of the best balance, I think, of a lot of the positives and of many of the cities we concern, considered and then less of the negatives. So it's, it's quite affordable still, but it's very cosmopolitan. It has enough going on, a lot of sort of big city conveniences and still has a lot of access to nature as well. So yeah, all of those things went together. We were in the final three, we were thinking about Singapore and Penang, Malaysia along with Taipei and Taipei just went out for towing that, <laughs> that being sort of the best uh, balance of everything. Had you actually visited all of those places before making the decision or was it just looking at the information yeah. you could get beforehand to make that choice? So, I mean, there was definitely some of the latter, but we have traveled quite extensively in Asia prior. Yeah. When you were asking me about my travels, just mm -hmm. in, in my general life, I, I was going to say that I've traveled quite a lot. And I think most people would say, say that <laughs> about me, but I always feel like all of my travel predominantly has been Asia and North America. So I feel like I'm lacking in sort of everywhere else, but, mm -hmm. but when it comes to Asia, yeah, I'm very familiar with, with many, many of the big cities. I've spent uh, lots and lots of time traveling around Asia. So for me, I had a pretty good handle on sort of the, the 10 cities or so that we were considering. Mm -hmm. And then we took a trip in 2019 where we basically hit everywhere. <laughs> I think we went to like 12 different cities in Asia wow. and spent a minimum. We were spending about four or five nights in each of the cities that we were thinking about. That last trip really helped to inform things as we were yeah. thinking about where to live. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. And so first of all, you've now hit it out on some long-term travel, at least like something like six to eight months, I guess, eight months, and you're going around North America. So how did you decide to do that first instead of going straight to Taiwan? And ultimately, how did you decide where to go? Because even within North America, there's certainly a lot of places to visit. So were you trying to hit your favorite spots or places yeah. you hadn't been before? How did you decide as a family? With COVID in early 2020, we were really starting to zero in on where we wanted to move to Asia. And then, mm -hmm. of course, COVID happened. And so everything kind of 
was just remained fluid, you know, we and flexible, and we just didn't know exactly when. We at one point we thought we were going to move by middle of 2021 to Asia, and obviously that got delayed and postponed. Once we decided on Taiwan, one of the things was、uh, Taiwan with their zero COVID policy. They have very very strict border restrictions, and for a while they had a Very difficult quarantine period. Now it's come down to ten days quarantine, and they're allowing home quarantine, which means you don't have to go to a, a hotel or government facility for your quarantine. So, so now it's improving, and, and we're hoping it, it gets even better by July. But yeah, with what was going on in Taiwan and us deciding to move there, we just had to kind of wait and bide our time, and and we had decided it wasn't worth it. Yet to move, if we were going to have to be spend fourteen nights in、uh, in separate hotel rooms for our family. Oh、um, yeah. So yeah, so that was one of the concerns, and so it was hard to really plan for an exact date to move. And at the same time, also my wife, she ended up getting a fantastic job. Opportunity.、Uh, so, during the last few years, we really got into sort of startup investing. So, we've、mm-hmm. kind of pivoted a lot of our real estate into focus, I guess, into startups. And we were doing a little bit of small angel investing into early stage companies. And then my wife wanted to pursue it professionally, and so she took a course. She was doing her own. Sort of syndications and stuff. She got this amazing、um, job offer to work for a, a VC firm. Hmm. And that VC firm is based in San Francisco. Even though they're distributed as a company, they work more or less around San Francisco hours.、Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, this was last summer, 2021. We were still thinking about moving to Taiwan, but once she got that job and then she loved it those first couple months, then we decided we should <laughs> let her stay in that position for at least nine months a year. And if we moved to Taiwan right away, then she wouldn't have been able to、right. continue on. So we decided we still really wanted to get out of、uh, Florida. We were just ready to do something, but we wanted to. Stay in time zones where she could continue to work, and for this company. So that's more or less how we got to the point of leaving our home in Miami, but staying sort of in the in this hemisphere and、mm-hmm. uh, trying to continue doing something that she was really enjoying. And now that we are moving to Taiwan in July, she's told her employer, and they really want to create. Sort of roles and position for her, so that she can continue to do it even、oh, while、wow. we're there. So that's the good news, <laughs> and、uh, and she's still enjoying it a lot. So even though there's still uncertainty with Taiwan, the reason why we finally gave ourselves a deadline of moving there in late July is because we are planning to put my older son in school、mm. starting in the fall. He would start school in Taiwan, so we're like, regardless of what the quarantine situation is, we'll go through that. At that point, yeah, that makes sense. And then, as far as your travels right now,、um, I know you're <laughs> because we talked before this. I know you're there in Mexico City. So, how did you kind of decide where to take yourselves over the over the last few months, and where you're headed to next before Taiwan? Yeah, I wanted to hit up places that I guess there's a lot of countries that I'm particularly interested in in sort of Latin America and. The way Mexico came about, it was really one of it was to be quite honest, it was it was not a priority for me. Like Panama, Colombia, Peru, there's a lot of other countries that I've long wanted to spend time in, and Mexico kind of came sort of as 
as a surprise because I ended up getting connected with a particular world schooling, a couple world schooling communities. Hmm. Uh, world schooling being sort of uh, families that take their children to different places in the world just to learn and get the exposure. And it can be uh, homeschooling, it can be unschooling, it can be being in local schools, or it could just be sort of traveling a lot during school breaks from wherever your home normally is. So with that said, I connected with some world schooling communities that were doing a lot of events in Mexico. And when I took a look at where they were going to be, I decided that maybe um, that was enough of a draw for us to spend some time here. So that's how Mexico came about. Not that I, it wasn't also some place that I was interested in, but it just, it wouldn't have been my first or second choice because I, I've spent, like I said before, I spent such little time in, in Central and South America that I, that there's so many places that I want to see. So yeah, that's sort of the way I take most things in our life and in our travels is I, I do try to do what's somewhat practical. Mm. And so I felt like with the world schooling communities and us wanting to connect with those people and spend time with them and those families, it made sense to come here over just kind of striking out to one of the other places mm. on our own. And plus the travel, like the airfare kind of lined up nicely, pricing worked out. And, and so that's another sort of the practical side. There's so much of the world I want to see. I might as well just kind of take the opportunities that come our way first. Right. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit more about what it's like to do this with children, um, do it as a family. And as you said, thinking about how to school your children, what different methods to use or ways of going about it, as well as dealing with school years and being in, I guess, maybe a local school or an international school, however you've decided to do it, just be good to hear about what challenges that might have. Obviously, it brings a lot of benefits as well, but just how you sort of manage it in terms of doing it with kids as opposed to you know a lot of people being nomads as individuals or as couples or things like that. So yeah, any thoughts you have there would be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're still learning and <laughs> figuring right. out. I'd say there's it's far from sort of under control, I guess, and <laughs> on our end. Our kids are young. My older son is six. So he technically would, wouldn't be starting uh, first grade until this fall mm. if we were back in the States and or if we were in Florida, at least where we were living. Just, I guess there's more freedom and flexibility for us in that sense, because he was still young. He didn't really have sort of a school routine and nor sort of a a strict curriculum that we'd want to try to follow. And his experience with kindergarten was during COVID. So even though we had him enrolled in kindergarten in our county, he was only doing like an hour of Zoom every day. I guess there's just not a lot of history there and experience for him. Mm -hmm. For us to feel like we were taking him away from any kind of uh, routine or reg regular mm -hmm experience that he'd grown accustomed to. And also just being young, there's also, I'd say, there's not as much um, concern or weight or pressure, I guess, around exact sort of uh, subject matter that he needs to cover, things like right. that. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's still very young and, and our other son much even more so. So I think I feel very comfortable letting them kind of learn about and explore the things that they find interesting. And so as we travel, you know, when things come up, when topics come up, that's when we really try to jump on on those elements of their curiosity and then uh, kind of let those guide what we might teach them. Mm -hmm. From that standpoint, it's really helped a lot. I think um, 
we noticed this too, even before we made that full-time leap into uh, you know, nomadism. Whenever we would travel, they always seemed to spark a lot more curiosity than mm. when we were just at home. And so uh, we were anticipating that it would be like this, and that has been the case. You know, they've definitely shown an interest in different things, different places, different uh, history. And so I think that's one of the things we've learned from some of the world schooling communities is to really like um, use that as a guide mm-hmm. for teaching things. And, and, you know, some people really take it to the extreme because unschoolers, you know, through elementary, middle school age, you know, that's, they're continuing to use that as the guide rather than any kind of actual curriculum. And so mm-hmm. we're not necessarily going to do that. <laughs> as I mentioned, we're putting our kids in, in local school in Taiwan, mm-hmm. but I do think we definitely want for us, the priority is, is for our kids to have sort of a interest in learning and foster that curiosity. And so that, this traveling has really helped our family with that. Yeah, I can imagine. Have there been any, any other major surprises or challenges that you've encountered in this nomad journey so far over the last few months? I don't think so. It's only been a few months and <laughs> versus quite a few years of actually thinking and planning. Mm-hmm. And so I had thought about all kinds of random situations and <laughs> contingencies. And right. to be quite honest, it, it's really just been pretty smooth and about as wonderful as I, I thought it could be. I mean, I always feel like when I talk to friends and family, I have to try to come up with something that makes it more of a realistic experience. I was talking to you earlier about the pollution in Mexico City and how that's affecting sort of my allergies. You know, that's about the only negative I can think of. And so I, I try to come up with these negatives just to kind of balance out the amazing experience that we're having. But really, it's, it's just been awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't great. know. Um, <laughs> I feel bad <laughs> <laughs> not being able to give more insight. But really, we've just had such an amazing time. And we were very fortunate to be in the position we were in to be able to do this in the way that we have. So mm. it's been awesome. I, I'm sure if we were, once we've done it for six months and if we were going to continue for years, I'm sure there'd be lots of um, bigger obstacles and unexpected things that come up. But so far, I mean, knock on wood, but so far it's just been great and nothing really unexpected or surprising that we weren't prepared for. That's great. Well, you've obviously spent the time to get prepared as well. So that also goes into having such a smooth transition into this lifestyle, but it's super exciting to hear that and excited to also hear how it develops for you as we you know, check in over the coming months. But as you think about your move to Taiwan, so I was curious as to, given that you're, it sounds like you're both not from Taiwan originally, how did you make it work from a visa perspective and what was that process like? Oh, yes. So first of all, I do have one aunt. She's from Malaysia, but she's been in Taiwan for decades now. And Mm. like she's been there so long that when I used to visit her as a little kid, we were visiting her in Taiwan. And uh, she kind of gives me a little bit of an anchor there or comfort and familiarity there. But as, as far as the sort of legal process, Taiwan has a gold card, which I was fortunate enough to qualify for. Mm. And that just streamlines the process and makes it a lot easier for us and for me to bring the family over and for the kids to enroll in school and for health care. Uh, you know, it just makes everything a lot easier mm. being able to obtain the gold card. I did not 
No, I, I thought it was 50-50. It was a toss-up whether I'd actually qualify or not. Or I shouldn't say qualify, but whether I would actually be accepted or not, because I went the route of the arts. I guess this is something I completely skipped over in the beginning, but I was actually a uh, musician in my beginning of my career. And so I worked in music. I was a performer, a, a writer, a composer, a teacher. And so when I applied for the gold card in the arts, I was, <laughs> I was applying based on my work from a dec- over a decade ago, mm. I really didn't know whether it would be enough to, for them to accept or not, but they accepted it. And so that's just made the process a lot easier. If I didn't get the gold card, we were planning to, there are other routes we could take. So we were thinking of it, setting up our own company, sort of a, mm-hmm. an arm of our investment company. So they have this process where you can set up an office for not actually conducting business, but for exploring expanding your business there and so that would have allowed us a few years to um, sponsor ourselves in taiwan living in taiwan and they also have a few other options investment visa which would have been sort of a third option but that one would have been a little bit tougher because the requirements are a little bit higher than what we would feel comfortable with but taiwan does have a few different options so that those were the ones that we were considering luckily our plan a worked out so um, that's how we're moving over there that's perfect. And I mean, uh, tangentially sort of related to that, I'm curious on given the fact that, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, your wife and her job and the great investing that she's been able to do. And also that you don't have to work for your daily income unless you choose to. I was kind of curious how you decide to fill your time. Of course, now you're traveling. I'm sure that's taking up plenty of it. And you mentioned your music as well. But I was just curious what really excites you or interests you, or are you just kind of planning to more or less take it easy from here and, of course, continue your real estate investing as well? Yeah, no, thanks for that question, because I really need to be reminded of it and refocus myself <laughs> from time to time. But right right now, during this sort of nomadic period, I'm just more like uh, hanging out with the kids and sort of managing the family from a logistic standpoint, and then uh, doing some sort of content creation here and there for fun. But when we move to Taiwan, the expectation and the plan is for me to really get back into my sort of music career and revive that. And, uh, you know, like I said, I applied and received the gold card to, with the sort of my application was suggesting that I was going to be doing a lot of different things in the arts when I move over there. And while that's actually not a requirement, uh, gold card recipients don't even have to work at all. They can, you know, you don't have to have a job. You can do what it's essentially a, a quasi sort of retirement visa for some people. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not under any obligation to do that, to do anything particular with my gold card, but I do want to utilize it for what I said I was going to do and, and really pursue a lot of these different music projects. I have some friends who are musicians over there, so I, I plan to collaborate with them. And I guess, generally speaking, that's what I'm planning to do in Taiwan is to really uh, get full fully back into into music and and composing, yeah, performing, just all kinds of stuff. So Great. Well, is there anywhere that our listeners can check out what you're up to and keep on top of your adventures and your music and other projects as well? I have so many different things that are just kind of thrown all across the wall. So I think the best landing spot is my website, firewalkingjourney.com. Okay. And I do need to check it and update it <laughs> better. But if you go there, then that kind of uh, pulls together all of the different 
projects that I've started and that I'm working on. And great. Yeah. Sure. So we'll put a link for that, of course, in the show notes. And I do have another question for you, which is more about basically, do you have any general advice for people that might be wanting to try this digital nomad kind of existence or fire or going after living in Taiwan and the gold card? I mean, we talked about so many great things in this episode that I'd love just to hear your overall thoughts and advice for people that are trying to follow in your footsteps. Uh, yeah. As you were asking that question, a couple of things came to mind. And I don't know, it was my own sort of psychological thing, but I feel like I've been so fortunate in many different ways that when I try to give advice, it's it's kind of coming from, well, you know, somebody who, who got lucky and, and mm. you know, my advice is kind of uh, not as applicable to everyone. And, and that might be true. And so then instead, what I kind of think about is what if I had gotten started before I had all of my ducks in a row and before everything kind of forced, you know, before we were blessed and everything kind of fell into place for us, you know, when I was sort of a struggling musician or something mm. um, 15 years ago, I think that I could have just made the leap and, and be, been an expat and moved to Asia like I wanted to. And, and I think everything would have worked out really nicely still because of that and maybe i'm wrong but but because of that i guess my advice is just don't put things off too much i mean granted i feel very good about where my family is today so it's almost going against sort of my experience but i do think that if you just get started and don't wait for everything to just be perfect um, i think you can make things work and then you don't kind of have for me you know, sometimes there's regret about um, some opportunities I missed because I wanted to wait for everything to just be mm. solid and not take much of a risk. And sometimes I live with a little bit of regret from that. And so I, I don't think people need to wait because I guess this is where I can draw from my experience. I think that if you wait, sometimes you end up waiting longer and longer and longer because as you want to kind of make things sort of in an ideal manner, then the ideal kind of shifts slightly and then you have yeah. to, <laughs> to, to chase that a little bit more. And instead, if you just get started, uh, even if it's not ideal, if you can make it work out, then that's just as good. I guess I don't want people to take risks that they can't, that they shouldn't take, but you don't have to go for sort of the picture perfect moment and, and everything doesn't have to just line up perfectly. You can calculate your risk and understand what you're getting yourself into and then go for it. Yeah, that's great advice. And uh, as you said, the goalposts tend to always move, right? So yeah. it's good to sometimes yeah. get in front of it and not wait for too long for that perfect time, because often that doesn't actually appear. And as we've seen with the pandemic and everything else, maybe you had that perfect time that you had planned in the middle mm -hmm. of 2020, and suddenly things are more difficult to make it happen. So yeah. good to yeah take, take some action as you can. Well, thank you so much again, Max, for just telling us all about your journey and where you are so far. I'm really excited to check back in with you once you make it over there to Taiwan, see how the rest of your travels go, how things go in terms of getting set up there in Taiwan. So looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait to keep in touch and see where things go for you. I really look forward to talking again. I feel like it, our family is very, again, very prepared for that move to Taiwan, but I'm almost kind of hoping that there's some kind of stumbling block or roadblock <laughs> that I can report back to you that, that like this is what happened and this is how we're handling it. But but <laughs> I figure that that kind of uh, drama 
is better for content. <laughs> but I, but so far, you know, like I said, with the the nomading, everything's just been very smooth, and and I do think we're pretty prepared for living in Taiwan as well. So. Awesome. Well, looking forward to the update and we'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. You can quickly find out where and how to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash expatempire. If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it so we can continue growing the global Expat Empire community. Keep up to date on new Expat Empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for our newsletter to get our free ebook, Top 10 Tips for Moving Abroad, right now. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering free consulting calls to discuss your moving plans and how Expat Empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks. Music